Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our stuff, but they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca, as well as your preferred podcast player of choice. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? You asked better call somebody. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about this whole college scandal thing that's been happening with a couple of actors who have, quote-unquote, donated uh, charitable amounts so that they can get their kids into the proper Ivy League schools. We're also going to be talking about a little bit of Drake. We're also going to be discussing a little bit of Jesse Smollett as well as Avengers Endgame. But before we get to all that, and we haven't done one of these in a while, but we're going to open up the show with a phone interview, actually. this is We haven't done this in a minute, but no, nonetheless, we're going to bring it back. Uh, my guest is no stranger to Cool Radio. He has been on the show before. He was on the show as recently as, I believe it was earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'd have to go back into the archives and check that. But nonetheless, he's been on the show before. And this man is so busy that he is actually calling from a gig that he's about to perform at in less than an hour. So that shows you the hard work and dedication that this gentleman puts in on a regular basis. And he's going to share some new music with us tonight as well. He goes by the name of Kevin. Kevin, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Thank you for uh, taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me again, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So what have you been up to uh, since the last time you were on the show? Gee, been busy, my dude. Been busy. Um, yeah, lots of shows. Lots of shows. Um, lots of new music. Um, I think the last time I was in there was actually right after I dropped Cotton Candy. Oh yeah, we remember that record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was back uh, back in September. Uh, we got two new songs out already this year, um, and you know we're just you know I'm actually I'm on tour right now, and we're uh, we're just getting in the midst to plan uh, the June run, June tour. Absolutely, that's what's up, man. And yeah, one of your new singles. Um on deck tonight so well i'll ask you about that later on in the show uh but before we get to that man um knowing you and and your brand and what have you you're big on um the independent scene i would say so like you have your own label you you put out your own music through that label as well uh so as an independent as an independent artist what would you say to the casual listener that doesn't really know much about the independent scene what's what what's at least one thing you can tell them Honestly, you can do a lot more than you would think on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, a, a record deal is essentially a bank giving you a loan that you have to pay back with interest. So if you can find a way to finance your career on your own, it's a big win. Absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head right there because there's been a lot of talk about you know whether to go independent or whether to sign a major for the last few years, especially now that how strong of a component the internet is, how the internet is somewhat like your A&R nowadays, and you've seen a lot of artists go big <clears throat> on the independent scene because of the internet, like Chance the Rapper. He's probably the biggest example of that thus far. Um, and I think... W- a few people may not know that 
sometimes when it comes to signing a major or a major label, you may have a great success story like a Drake or like a Taylor Swift, but then there are other stories that don't really get publicized as much because of how much controversy surrounds it. So I say that uh, because the artist who goes by the name of Russ, he's not in any controversy or anything like that. He's actually an independent artist who went platinum off of being independent. He's not the first to do it, but he's the latest to do it. Uh, with that yeah. said, uh, he made a statement on social media Basically stating that if you are a new artist and you're looking to sign a record deal, that you should know that nobody or that everybody rather is going to get rich off of your record deal except you. Um, would you? 100%. When, okay, so that was my next question. Like, how, how much validity do you bring to that? But yeah, go uh, continue on that. <laughs> yeah, no, like, and it's true. I mean, like, you'll make a couple bucks, obviously, right? Mm. But um, like, your first single under a major is pretty much not going to generate you any actual profit. That you might get money, mm-hmm. you know, from an endorsement deal that could come from it, or you know, other opportunities, whether it be opening up or you know, like performing with uh, you know a bigger act. You know, that might lead to some more money or income or, or, or whatever. But, like, as far as the actual, the profits from the song and the publishing, like, the label is going to be taking 80% of, of, of everything, pretty much. And, I mean, 60 to 80% of everything. Then your management's going to need a piece. You know, your producer's going to need a piece. Anybody doing additional songwriting, they might give mechanical credits to the engineer, to the mixing and mastering people. You might end up with 2 or 3%. Right, and, and and unfortunately, those are the types of logistics that the casual listener may not be privy to, but even more unfortunately, I feel like that's some of the information that some artists aren't even privy to or don't even care to research on because for, throughout history, they, there's so many artists I can name. Like I think TLC is probably the biggest example that are one of because they had hit after hit after hit during their during their prime, and before Jesse's Child, they were the highest-selling female group of all time regardless of genre and up until i think maybe like 1998 they barely got paid a dime from their label or their management or anything like that so i feel like it's important for artists more artists to speak up on that and i also feel that it's just as important for there to be like workshops on like financial literacy for uh, aspiring artists as far as what type of deal to sign you know if you are to go into like a major or even if you're doing an indie like find out how much money you can make off of your music and what have you. Like, would you say... 100%. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all out there, too, Dan. Like, honestly, like, it, it, all of that information is out there. It might take a while to find, but, like, you can find all that stuff as well as, like, honestly, if I could give one piece of advice to somebody, you know, really trying to, to make a name for themselves in, in, in the music industry right now, it's figuring out where to, to spend your money. Because you can go and you can spend $10,000 on a feature... And, you know, you can get Rich the Kid to do a verse on one of your songs. But if it's not marketed properly, no one's going to hear it, you know, and it, and it won't do what you think it will do for you. 100%. I agree with that completely. And I feel like some artists, they, they try so hard to get that feature from a, from a big name, whether they're on a major or they're on the indie scene. But, again, if it's not promoted properly, if it's not marketed properly, if you're not getting it to the right venues and outlets, then it just becomes another expense. Like, sure, you could exactly. say that you recorded with so-and-so, but if it didn't propel you to where you wanted it to be, then it's just basically another tax write-off at that point. 100%. Absolutely. I know people, personally, who've spent tens of thousands of dollars on features, and the songs aren't even at 10,000 plates, you know? Right, and it's it's really just about making that smart investment, basically, rather than just saying, 100%. "Oh, I did it with so and so." But what's the point in saying that when nobody heard it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. 
that's and, it exactly, man. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about big names right now. Um, a major name that's kind of in the news right now that I talked about last week is Kanye West. And he's kind of in a bit of controversy right now because, and it's not because of any like political stuff, but it's actually music related. But um, basically what happened with him is that he's trying to retire out of his current publishing deal because he, this is a deal that he signed back in 2003 before, you know, he became the entity that he is today, essentially. And basically there's a clause in there that says that he can't retire from music, and this is his publishing deal. This is not even his recording contract. It's just primarily his publishing deal. So when you hear about someone like a Kanye West, someone who's an industry veteran, getting that type of raw deal, it makes you wonder, like, why did he sign off on this deal, or who are the people who allowed him to sign off on that deal? So when you hear about that kind of clause, like, well, like what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Honestly, I just think, like, man... Whoever drew that up is just, like, is some sort of monster. You know, like, I don't know, to, to try and, like, force anybody to create art is just wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Like, on so many different levels. But, like, at the end of the day, first and foremost, it's, like, it's creative work. You know what I mean? So you want to be in, in the right state of mind to do it. I really don't think, you know, Ye wants to go out and, you know, do any collaborative work right now with anybody. Like, he's probably, like, like screw this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but truthfully, I just like, it, it, that's why it's so important to really educate yourself on what you're doing. You know, whether it be a record deal or even something small, like your first PR campaign, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Figure out what it entails, figure out where the money is going and why, you know, 100%. And in, 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 in this story, just goes to show that it can happen to anybody, <clears throat> whether it's somebody who's trying to get on or whether it's someone as large as Kanye West. It can happen to anybody. So just like yeah. having that that literacy in mind as far as contracts and what have you, just learn to be a bit more savvy about it and just ask experts about it as well because like that's what they're there for essentially. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's help. There's help everywhere too. I mean, like obviously, be just as careful. Um, you know, with who you ask for help. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, like, there's there's resources out here, you know, like, we the, the one upside of it is, you know, we do live in, in the time of social media where everything is extremely accessible, you know? So, I mean, like, everything's out there. You've just really got to take the time to look for it. Like, I mean, I've only been really doing this stuff since June of last year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, we've, we've, we've you know, made so many mistakes and had so many things go wrong but every single time something went wrong you know we learned from that opportunity right and that is probably like the most important thing it's just making sure that like you know if you're committing to doing this you're committing to like not only do it but not do it and you know hit every roadblock and every speed bump on the way because you know like it's, it's not an easy industry you know mm-hmm. 100 percent now, before we let you go, because I know you got to do your sound check and all that stuff, um, tell us about your latest single, After Party, man. What, what was the uh, vision behind that? So, After Party was, it was actually, like, it was, um, it was, it just kind of happened. That song just kind of happened. I feel like I say that a lot. But, um, <laughs> but no, it was, uh, I heard the beat. Um, it was uh, produced by a producer from, from Toronto. Um, his name's Victor the Giant. Okay. Amazing producer. Um, good friend of mine. And, uh. Yeah, I heard the beat, and it just, like, the whole course just, like, came to me. 
And uh, I guess it was kind of fueled by certain situations I may have found myself in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like after parties, drugs, alcohol, women, you know, like just, right. you know, questionable characters and questionable scenarios. Right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> what happens but, in Vegas no, stays in Vegas. <laughs> exactly, right? It was definitely, uh, it was, it was kind of one of those songs where it was just kind of, it was, I feel like it's less of a story and more of a mood, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, it was more of a mood I was really trying to capture and, um, you know, just, just, it's just that party lifestyle, you know, sometimes you, those songs just write themselves. Of course, of course. And it all comes with experience at the end of the day as well, right? Absolutely. Excellent. Well, while you're getting ready for your set, we're going to play that record right now. We're also going to play at the end of the podcast uh, for the people who will catch on the podcast later on. So with that said... Kev, I want to thank you for coming on the show, you know, whether it's by phone or in the studio. Uh, you're more than welcome to come through anytime or call in anytime as well. So, once again, thank you for that. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Uh, just, hey, break a leg, man. Knock him dead tonight, all right? <laughs> thank you, man. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Definitely one. All right. Once again, that was Kev. And we are going to play his record right now. It's called After Party. Uh, so if you're listening live, you're about to listen to that right now. If you're listening via podcast, you will hear it at the end of the show. But nonetheless, keep it locked. Once we get back, we will discuss the main topic of the day. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Uh, now, time for the main topic of tonight's evening, all right? Um, let's get into this uh, college scandal. Like, I don't know what to call it because this story or the events of this story, they've been happening for the longest time. It's just been happening under the rug. But now this is actually the first time where, well, the first time that I can remember at least, where something like this is actually being you know, broadcast as national news, potentially because of the names that it involves and what have you. But nonetheless, let's just jump into it. So there is a man who goes by the name of William Singer. All right. William Singer, William Singer created a company called The Key. And basically what he did was he used this company in order to launder in money from a lot of affluent individuals, some of them being celebrities. And what he did with this money is that he used it so that he could use it as a bribe to certain people who are on the higher up of different Ivy League schools in America. And these schools include Yale, Harvard, USC, UCLA, Georgetown, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So he has collected upwards of $25 million. And the FBI did an investigation and pointed to him as the main culprit, the ringleader, so to speak, the one who's been gathering all the funds to do all these things. And now, as it turns out, he is being charged. Uh, He is being indicted on how many counts? It's can't remember exactly how many counts it is. I'm just kind of looking at my notes right now. But nonetheless, he's being indicted for money laundering for for, for yeah money laundering, uh, mail fraud, uh, embezzlement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if convicted, he faces up to 65 years in jail. So keep that number in mind. 65 years in jail. Keep that in mind because that will tie into a later story that I will be going into on in the broadcast. Um, so. Again, like I was saying, as far as how he used the money, he used it to pay off 
uh, certain SAT and ACT administrators to basically give certain students the answers or to give them longer test times so that they would have an advantage over everyone else who actually studied for these tests and what have you. Um, and not only that, but he also used it to bribe coaches and administrators for certain sports teams so that the kids of the affluent parents could get onto those teams without having to try out or without even having to have a skill in that sport. So whether it's basketball or football or rowing or anything like that, he basically made sure that they would get on the team without even having to try at all. So let's get into the celebrities in question. Um, I don't know exactly how many celebrities uh, were uh, caught in this in these in in the scandal, but there's about 50 people altogether who are caught in the set in the scandal, and two of them are pretty much well-known celebrities that many people would know, whether it's from their past or currently what it is right now. So one of them uh, goes by the name of Felicity Huffman or Hoffman, whichever, uh, who is one of the co-stars of Desperate Housewives. I'm not sure what season, whatever. I never watched that show. I knew Eva Longoria was on that show because she dated Tony Parker back in the day. That's all I know. Um, but beyond that, we also have another celebrity who goes by the name of Lori. I want to make sure I'm saying the name correctly. Uh, Lori Lachlan. In case you don't know or recognize that name, she played the character of Aunt Becky from Full House. So that's a little. That's a name that's gonna kind of shuck a chord at your childhood. Potentially, if you're a big fan of that show. But fan of the show or not, we've all heard of Full House if you're born in like the late 80s or the early 90s. You know what that show's all about. So, she was uh, caught up. She's one of the names that were caught up in the in the scandal as well. As well as her husband, who goes by the name of um, Massimo Giannulli, Giannulli uh, who is a fashion designer as, um, as his profession. So, they got caught in this scandal. And they are potentially going to get charged and potentially face jail time as well. We don't know that yet. That's what people are speculating. But they have two daughters. Um, I'm talking about Lachlan and uh, Gia Newley. I keep wanting to say Giuliani. But nonetheless, they have two daughters, and they tried to do it for both of them. And one of them is a, is a successful YouTube star who does – I'm not sure what she does exactly, if it's, like a, it's, a, if it's a vlog or – or makeup tutorials and what have you, but she's been pretty successful with her YouTube channel, and she actually had a deal put in place, or a partnership deal with Sephora as far as putting out her own makeup line, but because the story broke out, Sephora said, nah, fam, we're good, we're good, we're okay, <laughs> yeah, let's, you do your thing and we'll do ours, all right. So essentially, that partnership fell through, and the controversy has gotten so bad to the point where the two daughters have now dropped out of USC, the school that they are currently attending, because of all the controversy and for the fear of being bullied, and rightfully so, because you basically cheat the system. Um, so that's essentially what is happening right now in the story, and on top of that, as far as how much money was paid out to these administrators, uh, Huffman paid out about $15,000, and this is one count, and... With Lachlan, she pulled or she paid about five hundred thousand dollars. I'm not sure if it was five thousand five hundred thousand each or if it was two fifty grand uh, for for each kid. I'm not sure if it was split, but nonetheless, that's how much money she spent, and that's for for two children. So everyone's speculating: will they go to jail? Or um, they've already been charged with that, of course, and it's already impacting their careers as well. I couldn't find any details as far as what's happening with. Uh, 
with Huffman. But as far as Lachlan is concerned, she did have a series that was uh, set to premiere on the Hallmark Channel. But Hallmark has pulled it from its rotation, and they've basically wipe their hands clean of their affiliation with Lachlan as well. So again, this is, having, this is starting to have a negative trickle-down effect because of all the controversy that is surrounding it. And a lot of people are starting to rightfully, you know, put the hammer down on Lachlan as well because she has gone on interviews multiple times saying that she doesn't want to give her children that tough love because they don't feel as though it'll be conducive to their upbringing and how... The, they didn't want to be seen as strict parents or hard parents because there'd be too much pressure on them. But essentially what you've done now is you've coddled your ch- your children into thinking that mediocrity will get them through life based on the fact that you're going to have their back financially no matter what happens. And yes, I get it. As a parent, you want to make sure that your children are financially stable no matter what stage of life they're in. But at the same time, you gotta you have to let them be independent. So you've got to let them, you know, take their bumps, earn their scars and their bruises and what have you in a metaphorical way, of course, and let them carve their own path instead of just kind of holding their hand as they walk on by. And that's essentially what they've done for them. Now, earlier in the show, I said that this is nothing new because let's be honest, it's nothing new. Anyone who fits into a certain tax bracket, who comes from an affluent background, they will do what they need to do, ethical or unethical in order to make sure that their children or their child gets into the Ivy school that they want to get into so that they can have some sort of prestige plastered onto their name saying that their son and or daughter went to a prestigious Ivy League school. And that's essentially what it is. It's pretty much a humble brag at this point. Now, as far as the students who actually had to go the traditional route, which is the ethical route, which is to take the SATs, the ACTs, and what have you, or whatever the way was necessary in order to get admissions into that school, they're obviously pissed because they've had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to at least get the application process. And after all that spending of money, they don't even know for sure if they're going to get admitted into the school or not. So you have all these kids who come from, whether it's middle-class backgrounds or lower-class backgrounds or anything of the sort, that had to bust their ass and do it the hard way, whereas, you know, money, mommy and daddy monopoly bags came in and said, oh, that's, that's, fi- that's fine, Cody. You got this there, Tiger. That's essentially what happened. So I think it's definitely unfair that they, that they cheat the system. And it's not as if they didn't have the money to get their kids into these schools, like the ethical way as far as processing the applications or what have you. Like, if they did it the the honest way and all the parents did was pay for their application process and they're in their tuition. That's fine. This is a parent. That's what you want to do. You want to save it for a college fund or university fund or whatever the case may be. But we're talking about paying off certain individuals to give other administrators the wink wink in order to make sure that they have, they have a, a clear path into getting into that school. And it also makes me wonder, going back to the whole, you know, joining a sports team and what have you, I wonder what implications this will have on the NCAA if this is, in fact, a widespread thing. Because so far, it's just, you know, the admissions of certain students or what have you. But are they going to take a deeper look into how many of these students in the NCAA uh, got in as far as scholarships and what have you? Because if it's scholarships, then that's completely on the school. But 
there also has been corruption within the NCAA as well. And I know, ironically enough, they're they're very strict on people who are seen as boosters or people who bribe and what have you. So I'm curious to see what stance they're going to have on this as well. And on top of that, what I want to know personally is, will the school, the schools in question, be reprimanded for this? Because we always hear about Issues that happen when it comes to whether it's the dean or whether it's some of the top administrators or the students themselves or the people in between, like the boosters. But we never hear about the schools getting the hammer often. There's a few times here and there. Like there was the, I can't remember which school it was, but it was a school who had the the coach of one of the sports teams that was fondling other students and sexually harassing them and sodomizing them in some cases. They laid the hammer down on that school. I can't remember which school it was. And then they had the Michigan University scenario back in the early 90s when you know uh, Chris Weber and a few other students were getting quote-unquote bribes from certain people. Therefore, they had to take down some of their, their uh, it was state championships, but it was like divisional championships and what have you. Their Final Four banners and what have you. So I'm curious to know what the fallout will be from that as well. Um, and there's been a lot of people on social media who have been chatting about this and they're debating about whether or not this is a race related and what have you. And I would say that it's not as much of a race debate. I'm not saying race doesn't play a part in it. It does. But I also believe more so than race that it's a class thing that plays into this as well. Cause if you're part of, a, of an elite class, essentially, um, which Let's be honest, it's, it, when it comes to North America, it's usually white people. If you're part of that 1%, then chances are you're going to get benefits because of the fact that you come from a wealthy background and that those checks can silence a few mouths and what have you. When it comes to people of color, there's very few that are within that that are within that elite 1%. So that's where the that's where the racial dynamic could possibly play into the whole equation of it all. But then there's also the cases of the people who are in the lower class who actually lied about where their students or where their children currently live in terms of neighborhoods so that they can get into a better private school, for example. So there's cases of, of uh, parents in Georgia as well as in Ohio who lived in the not-so-greatest neighborhoods, low-income neighborhoods and what have you. And in order to get into a proper school, they had to lie uh, on applications to say that their son and or daughter lives in this part of town, which is a lot better and more affluent. So they did that, and because of that, they got found, they got ousted for it, and some of them had to face jail time because of that. On top of that, they also had to pay about $30,000 in back tuition because of the fact that they falsified a rep- uh, that report saying that their child lives in a certain area. And... I think a lot of people want to see that same justice uh, being delivered towards people like uh, like uh, Lachlan as well as Huffman in this regard. And I don't blame them for that, especially when we're talking about an Ivy League school. Like if these people had to pay 30 grand in, in back tuition for private schools, they weren't even colleges, but private schools, then I'm sure people are going to want the law to lay down the hammer with that same energy on these celebrities as well. And with those parents, they, they, they had to face jail time. One of them, I think, had to face about two years of probation and community service. Uh, but nonetheless, the hammer was laid down on them. And I think people want that justice going towards uh, or that justice against Hoffman and, and Lachlan and the likes of them. 
But people are very skeptical about that because those people belong in the 1%. Therefore, they may have some benefits or they're at least going to have the resources to fight against that because, again, those people came from low-income, poor neighborhoods. Therefore, they didn't have the resources, a.k.a. money, to fight against that, you know, subsequently. Whereas these people, they got lawyers up the wazoo if they're spending 500K just to cheat the system, essentially. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But sad to say that something like this isn't new. It's not new. It's been happening. This is just one of the first cases that we've heard in quite some time that has now become public. So, again, it's up to the law to lay down the hammer on them, and hopefully they will. Hopefully they're not using their booster money to bribe off a few of these judges who are going to be proceeding over the trial or the, over the future trial that should happen. But, again, we'll see. Another question I have is, why is this happening now? Why is this now becoming public? That's a question that I have. I'm not trying to be Mr. Conspiracy Theorist or anything like that, but nonetheless, it is a question, a valid question to ask in that regard. But again, we'll see how it all plays out. What do you guys think about this story? Um, hit me up with your thoughts and comments and, and all that good stuff. Hit me up on social media at CC and let me know. After the break, we're going to get into some stories that involve Jesse Smollett, Avengers, and Drizzy Drake. So, with that said, keep it locked. We'll be back after the break. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Now, let's get into Trip Talk. Three topics, three of the hottest topics that happen within hip-hop culture. Uh, this week, hip hop and pop culture, I should say. And with that said, let's get to it. So, Justice Smollett was in court this week um, in regards to facing the charges that he is being laid down with as far as the felony counts that are laid against him. So, he has about 16 felony counts that he is, that he is currently facing, and he pleads and he pled not guilty to all 16 of them. Now, if he's charged, or sorry, not charged, if he's convicted of all 16 of these counts, then he could face up to 64 years in prison now remember earlier when we were talking about the the whole college scandal and i mentioned how uh singer william singer pardon me how william singer was being charged with um that sorry he was being charged and that he would be facing up to 65 years in prison that's for money laundering money embezzlement and mail fraud worth 25 million dollars of money that he has essentially stolen. Justice Smollett is getting felony charges for falsifying a, a police report. The point I'm trying to make is this. The punishment does not fit the crime. Should he be charged and by he I'm referring to Smollett, should he be charged for this based on the evidence that's being presented? Yes, of course. But what are we really talking about? Though? We're talking about falsifying a police report. This type of crime should be a misdemeanor, especially if you take into consideration that he's a first-time offender as far as we know. He hasn't broken the law or anything of that sort. This should be a misdemeanor, and that should lead or result into like a fine, a slap on a wrist, so to speak. I don't even know if I would even do probation on this, to be honest, but a fine for sure. I'll, a fine, sure, because you wasted police resources. I get that. A fine would be suitable. I'd be okay with that. But 64 years, in, sorry, 65 years in prison? Meanwhile, homeboy who's been stealing $25 million and use it to bribe people who work for Ivy League schools to get people's kids in, 
He's doing. He's facing the exact amount of, of, of time. But his crime is understandable. That's $25 million. I get that. But Smollett's case, it, they, they don't equate. They don't equate. So what I'm trying to say is this. The system is broken. The system is broken. It is severely flawed. There is no reason as to why Smollett should be facing that type of jail time. And I'm not sure what the laws in the state of Illinois are for that matter. I don't know if they're a lot more harsher and extremer outside of that state than they are in other states. But that shouldn't be worth 64 years of prison. Mind you, that's if he gets charged with all or convicted of all 16 felony accounts. But I'm trying to figure out how the hell did this, you know, planned setup of a, a jumping or a mugging lead to 16 felony accounts that's a question that i have for chicago pd because again this is a police department that has been very negligent in the way they've handled certain cases whether it's the shooting of unarmed black individuals by law enforcement whether it's how they've handled a lot of the general shootings altogether that happened in chicago or if we're talking about how many police officers have been bribed off by R. Kelly and his team for hiding girls in certain areas who are underage and who are abducted by their parents. I mean, you guys were slow to solve or crack down on those cases. But when it came to this one, not only did you solve it that quickly, but you were quick to throw the book, the kitchen sink, and everything at Smollett. I'm not trying to absolve what Smollett did. It was, it was it was irresponsible to say the least. But 65 years is what he's facing for lying on a police report? No. It doesn't add up. I'm sorry. I'm calling BS on this. It does not add up at all. This should be a misdemeanor at best case close. That's it. That's it. That's it. What do you guys think? Uh, let me know. Hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts on that. Um, next one up, we got to talk about Avengers Endgame, all right? It's not necessarily about Avengers Endgame, but the story that revolves around it. So, first and foremost, if you saw the trailer this week like I did, let me just say this. And let me, let me just turn it up as I, as I do it as well. Cool! I am ready. My soul is ready. My body is ready. Every part of what makes me DM cool is ready for that movie. I'm in. I'm good. I can't wait. So that's how, that's my thoughts about the movie or the trailer, I should say. Uh, with that said, they released a trailer for that uh, and a poster as well, a promotional poster. And it shows all of the characters and spoil, spoilers, spoiling warning, spoiler alert, whatever. Movie's been out for a year, whatever. It's on Netflix. Um, there is a poster out that out right now that shows all the remaining characters who are not involved in the snap. So Captain America, Rocket Raccoon, uh, Tony Stark, etc., etc. All those characters who are not part of the snap are on that poster, including Okoye, who was played by Denai Guerrero. Now, here's where the issue lied. Um, around 8.30 in the, in, the, in the morning, which is probably around the time that the trailer got released, they put up a poster on it via Twitter. And it basically has everyone in the poster. And it has everyone's name in the poster except for Guerrera. So when this was made known, lots of people were upset about this. All right. 
specifically black Twitter. And you know how black Twitter goes. They take things to the extreme, positive or negative. So obviously it was negative this time and saying, yo, this is how the industry treats black women. Um, she's one of the most important characters in the Marvel Universe. How dare you do this? Um, see, there, there's uh, white America again leaving out black women, et cetera, et cetera. They were saying all these things. Marvel recognized the mistake that they made. And at 3.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time, if I'm not mistaken, they recorrected that mistake and even made fun of themselves in the process. Now, this is my thing right here. Um, mistakes happen. They definitely do happen. But I don't think that this is a mistake that Marvel did on purpose. They did it by accident. Because they know how important their fan base is as a whole. And they know how important you know, th their code of diversity is as well. Because you got to think about it. Like what? It's been a week now that Captain Marvel's been out. The first uh, female-led superhero movie within the MCU. And then last year, it was Black Panther, the first uh, the first movie that was led by a black lead as well as a supporting cast of black actors as well. So the first lead, the first cast they see that's primarily filled with people of color. And they know how much money they made off of that. And on top of that, Marvel as a brand is all, a part, is all about inclusion as well. If you look at the roster of superheroes that they have... There are so many to go down the list. There's there's a new there's a new Hulk that is a half Korean, half American person. There's Kamala Khan who is a uh, Middle Eastern descent. There's Mal Morales who is half Black, half Puerto Rican. There's there's so many to go down the list on. So I think this is just an honest mistake on Marvel's part for not including her name in the in the poster. And you have to also take into consideration that there's a lot of characters in this film, like. With the people who survived the snap, there's about 15 or 16 of them. And altogether, there's at least 40. At least. So I think it's just an honest mistake on their part. Could have happened to any other character. I don't think they're trying to isolate her. I honestly don't think that at all. I think it's just an honest mistake on their part. And as far as Black Twitter is concerned, I feel like Black Twitter is the ultimate example of yin and yang. You have your good and you have your bad. But you have your really, really good. But then you have your really, really bad as well. And I think what Black Twitter needs to do is they need to aim their vitriol at things that really matter the most. And not only that, but look into the context of a situation before you attack. And this was what? I was talking about cancel culture last week. Um, and how we're all in the outrage era right now. Like, this is a prime example of that. Like, do you honestly think that Marvel would make this mistake wholeheartedly? It was it was an honest mistake. They corrected themselves. They made fun of themselves in the process as well. Case done. I think people just love to react. That way they have the tweet of the day so that people can like it and retweet it as many times as they like. And I feel like half of the people who commented on it don't even watch these Marvel films for the, in the first place anyway. They're just there to hop on a wave as well. So, again, look into the context of a situation before you're quick to judge. That would be my advice for anybody who's on Twitter, especially when it comes to black Twitter as well. But anyways, what do you guys think about that? Let me know in the comments. Hit me up at DM underscore cool. Um, and then, sorry, not DM underscore cool, uh, cool radio CC. Or you can hit me up at DM underscore cool. I'm good with that either way. And then finally... Uh, we got to talk about Drake, all right? Now, Drake is not only a rapper. He is a brand. He is an ambassador of sorts. And he has a partnership with the Toronto Raptors that, that has been strong for the last, what, six, seven years now, I believe. And he just made it even stronger because the formerly known facility for the Raptors, 
um, practice for the Raptors practice facility, I should say, uh, which was formerly named BioSteel Center, has now been named, renamed, and rechristened the OVO Athletic Center. So if you live in Toronto and you're going down the, the, the Gardner Expressway, you can see the new OWL logo with the black and gold uh, Raptors logo in there as well. And it literally says OVO Athletic Center. I saw a picture of that this week, and I said to myself, isn't this the BioSteel Center? And I had no idea that they, I guess, BioSteel's lease ended with them. And so Drake decided to step in and renamed it. I don't know if the insides of the of the facility have changed. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. I'm not sure. But I think it just goes to show how strong of a force hip-hop is. The fact that a rapper has their logo and their insignia on an actual building. Like, that's big. Like, I don't know if the... If the Raptors facility is open to the public, I I kind of doubt it. Um, obviously, players and personnel are allowed in there as well as the, the press and the, and the media to get interviews and takes from the team. But nonetheless, I think that's a great look because it's just strengthening Drake's brand that much more and strengthening their partnership with, with the Raptors, with MLSC that much more as well. And it shows that if you have brand power uh, to the likes of Drake, then you can use that with any type of... Any type of uh, of entity that you want to align yourself with. And in this case, it happens to be sports. And Drake is a very big sports fan, as we all know. Very big basketball fan as well. And a fan of the Raptors. He's, he grew up watching them. He co-produced the Carter Effect documentary that came out uh, at TIFF uh, about over a year ago now. So I think it's a good look either way, man. Um, I like I like the look. It's It's dope. It's uh, it just shows you how strong of a brand that OVO has become. It's not just clothing now; it's it's facilities now, essentially. Like I would not be surprised within the next five years if Drake had his had his own sports agency, much like um, Jay Z does with what's the name? Is it Forty Forty? No, no, it's Rock Nation. Sorry, it's Rock Nation. Rock Nation. Um, uh, Rock Nation Management and Publishing, and LeBron has Clutch Sports. I feel. That if Drake does end his partnership with the Raptors, then that's when he'll get into that business. Because if you were to do it right now, it would be looked at as a conflict of interest because of the fact that he is aligned with the Raptors. So I don't think he wants to kind of dive into that arena for the time being. However, if one of his associates were to do that, then there may be a little bit of a loophole in that. But nonetheless, it's a good look from Drake, and I'm proud of him for that. Um, Keeping things Toronto 100 as per usual. But anyways, what do you guys think about that? Let me know in the comments. Uh, just let me know on social media in general. Cool Radio CC. You already know. And time for the final segment of tonight. And I will not keep you guys waiting on that. <clears throat> Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week it goes to a person who will not be named because I do not want to give this person any more fame or infamy than he has already attained for his careless actions. But nonetheless, this person who will remain nameless, let's just call him Trailer Joe Bob. So Trailer Joe Bob, quote unquote, is getting the Wankster of the Week because of the fact that he said he made racist remarks towards NBA superstar Russell Westbrook during a game between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz. Now, during this game, he was going back and forth in a war of words with Westbrook. And during that war of words, he once said that he wants to see Russell Westbrook get on his knees like he's used to. And his wife uttered those same sentiments as well. 
Now, when confronted with these statements, Westbrook retaliated. Verbally, of course, verbally. He said that he would, quote-unquote, F him up on everything on his life, him and his wife, too. So that caused a lot of controversy in the NBA and in the sports world as well, as well as debates about racism within sports in general. And we're not too far from removed from when uh, a boy who was playing hockey in Quebec got called all sorts of racial epitaphs because of the fact that he was black. Now, going back to this story, this person seems to have a history with not only Westbrook, but just uttering out racist sentiments towards black athletes. He said, you know, go back to where he came from, hashtag MAGA, towards Russell Westbrook via Twitter uh, in a past tweet, as well as some comments that he made about Colin Kaepernick when it came to standing up for the flag, and he made it about the troops, as all races usually do anyway. So, while he is... While the story was getting out, man, Twitter was doing their digging. And I don't know if this is black Twitter. Let's just say NBA Twitter. NBA Twitter was doing their digging. And they were seeing all these racist tweets come up and about. And by the time these tweets were posted on social media, or reposted rather, then that's when he decided to delete his Twitter account and everything else that may have racist sentiments to it. And, of course, during an interview, he tried to make himself seem like the good guy, and it was all BS. So the end result of it was that he got banned from the Utah Jazz Arena. I don't know the exact name of it, but basically he can no longer attend a live uh, Utah Jazz game or any live event that's being held at that arena. He's been banned for life, which is good. As far as Russell Westbrook, unfortunately, because of the fact that he engaged in in a in a verbal altercation with with this said fan and with comments that he said that were pretty lewd to say the least which we understand why he did uh he was fined 25k but to him that's a slap on the wrist because this guy's making 200 million dollars per year so he knew that there's gonna be consequences and i get it i understand but the more important thing is that the people in utah took swift action I would say it should be it should have been a bit more swift because you can't let a barrage of insults like that like continue on. If he's saying something like that, you gotta kick him out immediately. It even came to the point where I was hearing how they were giving out cards, like it was soccer, to people as far as here's your first warning, here's your second warning. No, it's an on-site thing. Kick, kick them out of the arena. If they're making those types of comments, kick them out of the arena. I get it if you're booing somebody and your comments are related to the game, that's fine. Like, if you're saying, yo, Westbrook, your jumper is off today, yo, you're whack at shooting free throws, that's fine. That's within context of the game. But if it's racist, nah, get them out of there. That's, no, absolutely not. Like, this is the NBA, not the NFL. Like, we're a lot more diverse and more inclusive. So, that that type of behavior, that's a no-no. And Utah has a history of that, unfortunately. So, I'm glad they, they put the hammer down on that. And the owner went out to speak about that. Uh, in a game this week as well, following those events. So good on her for that, and good on them for removing that piece of shit from the arena. But nonetheless, he deserves the wings of the week. No questions asked about it, and we're going to drop it on him one more time, just like this. And that about does it for tonight's show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in like you normally do. Next week, we have special guest Lee Luxie in studio. So we're going to talk to her about all the things that she's been up to and what have you. And as you already know, you can find me on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.
Yeah, she take it After Polly poppin' Molly in the basement Yeah, yeah, she take it She do a line, she cuts a line and now she naked uh, She always running through the bag until it's gone Then faded to it gone She running through the bag until it's gone She take it till it's gone Like Mary Kate, she love the party favors She pop a Zan, that's a party favor, yeah, yeah She texted him in and told him I'll be late she be late Hit D&D and started misbehaving, yeah, yeah Yeah, she said Miami got the nightlife she needed Is that body to get you all caught up in your feelings Come down smoking on the rose weed Red bottoms matching yeah, all her nose, yeah, yeah. She take it, yeah, she take it After Polly pop and Molly in the Like cotton L, make it disappear like David Copperfield. Yeah, that's when she wear a out Your bank account, she gon' tear it down. My eyes got the bags got and it ain't from jet lagging. Getting red flag, but my package red tag. Come down, smoking on the rose weed. Red bottoms matching all her nose. Yeah, she take it. After Polly popping Molly in the basement. Yeah, yeah, she take it She do a line, she cross the line and now she naked